We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The trade deadline is a week away. A lot of your compatriots are starting to look at football a little bit more. The All-Star break is over, but we're still here watching everything going on in the baseball world here. And Fred is back, and we're excited about that. So all that and more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, a newly, you know, tanner but always tan Fred Zinke. Uh, still by the door, the doorknob of uh, uh, fantasy there. The best doorknob in fantasy, fantasy podcasting. But uh, glad to have you back, Fred. You rocked your California trip, had a great time. Your teams are still rocking, I hope. They're doing okay. They uh, they didn't miss me while I was gone. They managed Aww. to run themselves. It's good. It's a good reminder that you don't need to obsess over your fantasy teams for them to continue to go out and do their real jobs and play baseball and play baseball well. You know, my teams, I'd say, are probably at least as good, if not better, off in the standings than they were when I left for my trip. So, I, and admittedly, I did not check them on a daily basis as close as I would if I was at home. So, actually, it is is kind of a good reminder. Like you can check the box scores every hour, but it's not actually going to change how they do. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is a good reminder of that, but man, it's so much more fun to watch it. But hey, same thing. When I was in Ireland, I couldn't watch a darn thing. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I just had to, just had to, uh, you know, trust and hope that things work for the best. Uh, so yeah, uh, it it was tough, but yeah, here we are. Lot going on. We're a week away from the trade deadline. It's actually next Tuesday. Next Tuesday's podcast should be a lot of fun. By the way, mm-hmm. hopefully, we're going to be like breaking trades as well. We won't anything we'll be relaying <laughs> trades as they happen uh as we see them on twitter as we're doing the podcast but uh one of the things that popped up uh this uh just today was Tariq scuball uh is available apparently uh although I, I don't think the tigers were saying hey we're looking to trade Tariq scuball it's more like okay everybody's available make your best offer we're, we're in a tank of a season they're not necessarily tearing it all the way down to build up again i feel like but at the same time things did not work out this year they had hoped to contend they signed javi Baez to a big deal they traded for tucker barnhart uh they thought they were going to be better but they you know the young pitching didn't work out except for scooball and uh the hitting didn't work out either yeah they they've got a maybe not the most disappointing team this year but one of them i think they felt like you said they felt like they could get 
like just had like that puncher's chance, especially when they expanded right. the wild card and their division's the weakest one in the American League. So, you know, you mm-hmm. looked around and you're like, hey, if the White Sox don't have that great of a season and, it, you know, it just barely over 500 team maybe could win this division, that could be us. And it's just not like didn't turn out at all for them. I feel like what's happening maybe kind of for Cleveland is what Detroit was picturing happening for them. Like nobody really thought Cleveland was a serious contender. I felt like going into the season and they probably still won't make the postseason, but they're hanging around. Yeah. And, and I think Detroit was hoping to be hanging around. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, nothing went their way with the young pitching Spencer Torkelson stunk. Riley green got hurt. Um, some guys like Robbie Grossman regressed. It's just, Almost across, Akil Badu was awful. It, almost across the board, Scooble might be one of the he'd be one of the very, very few players on that roster who's met or exceeded expectations this year. Yeah, uh, agreed. And he went through a rough patch uh, of his own, but still, he, he's improved his home run prevention. That was one of the big things that was a big mark against him going into this year. And it looked like he had taken the leap. Now he's he's leaped backward a little bit since then, but still. Uh, I mean, Spencer Torkelson has been a big, you know, a big disappointment for sure. Uh, Baez has had a bad year. Baez is in the lineup, by the way. He got hit by a pitch on Sunday and left the game, but he is back in there. Uh, he was in there yesterday, actually, too. So he's fine. Uh, he's not good, but he's fine. Uh, so as far as health, health goes, um, yeah, it's, it's been a nightmare season. Uh, and it's also, I think, one of the angles that was pointed out is there's not that many starting pitchers out there that are obviously available. There's Luis Castillo. There's uh, Frankie Montas. Maybe, maybe Tyler Molly. I haven't seen too many other starters mentioned. No, there's like, if you want it like lower end, there's like Jose Quintana. If you just want someone. Yeah, you know, that's a good a Number one. four or five, something like that. Um but yeah, on the higher end, I think this is the Tigers going fishing a bit and seeing, like you said, like there's not a lot out there. Half the league is in the is in the race for the postseason or more right now. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting thing on Scooball. So you look at his ERA last year; it was four thirty four. This year, it's three eighty eight. You'd say, okay, well, that's not like a a huge difference, like half a run. Um, his FIP last year was about a run higher than his ERA, and this year his FIPs are run lower than his ERA, which is a testament to that home run prevent- prevention. So in a lot of ways, he has been much more effective this season. So I think, yeah, I think it's – I don't think Skubal is going anywhere. He's not a free agent until 2027. But I think it's the Tigers' way of saying, you know, to contending teams, if, if you want to throw a lot at us, we'll trade them. We'll trade anyone. Um, right. But, but he really does profile as someone who could lead their rotation – you know, I, I'm sure their expectation is that next year now is going to be the year where they climb into relevancy, and he he could lead that rotation next year. Yeah, he could. He could. Um, I titled this podcast "What's Wrong with Sean Manaya?" And it, the he he got hit around pretty good by uh, the Tigers yesterday, and as you pointed out, his last three starts haven't been good despite facing weak opponents. So I'll ask the question: What is wrong with Sean Manaya? Yeah, velocity's down a bit, um, and I and he kind of lives on the edge with velocity. Like he's not a high velocity pitcher, so I think he needs everything he can get. Um, mm-hmm. He's he hasn't been like if you go back and look, like even his first three starts of the year, he was dominant. Three runs yep. in nineteen innings. Uh, since then, like his ERA this year is four thirty three. If you take out those three starts way back in the first half of April, uh, you know he's more like. 465 or so uh 470 so 
uh, he, like, he, he's been bad for a long time. Like we're going back to late April to, to where he's pitched to a poor level. He just seems to like, since then, even his, his, his normal starts, he gives up like three runs. And then he has yeah. these occasional starts where he doesn't even make it, you know, past four innings, but even his normal starts are six innings, seven innings, three runs, which yeah. is fine. But for your good starts, that's not really that good. Um, right? Yeah. I, it's, it's come to the point for me where like, I know we have a large NFBC audience in 15 team leagues. I'm keeping them in 12s. I'm like probably keeping them, but I'm at least on the fence. And for people who aren't NFBC people like in shallow or Yahoo type leagues, I'm thinking I'm, I think, and I drop them and stream the spot. That that's rough. That's really rough. Yeah. I mean, you think about it there, but it makes sense. Uh, I've been on a similar note. I've been benching both uh, Lance Lynn and Taylor Rogers. Mm-hmm. Haven't dropped them yet because I'm I'm like deathly paranoid of Rogers figuring it out the second I drop him. But he sure as heck didn't figure it out mm-hmm. yesterday. I think also we start to hit the point where it gets so late in the year where and I, I think I don't know if we're quite there yet, but we're close. Mm-hmm. Like, so how many starts do these guys have left? Manaya, Lynn, Rogers. If they all stay in the rotation the rest of the year got about nine weeks left this week's already locked so i think maybe after this week, we've got about eight or nine weeks left um in eight or nine weeks they're probably making 10 starts 11 starts yeah. so you got 10 or 11 starts so what are the odds that that trevor rogers now he's he's been even worse than Manaya. um what are the odds that he figures it out soon like soon enough to help you in those 10 or 11 starts i would say they're pretty low i agree so i, I kind of feel like at least i would say in 12s he should go to waivers in 15s. I I'd say it's, it's totally a fine option. If someone wanted to just say, forget it, I'm just going to put him on waivers and start streaming the spot. I'll, especially yeah. with, the, with the trade deadline coming up. Like I I'll grab like a speculative closer ad. And if that doesn't work out, I'll drop that guy the next week. And maybe I'll grab someone who's now in a rotation spot or whatever. But the we know that roster spots around the trade deadline are maybe a little extra valuable. So I just, it's what are the odds that Trevor Rogers figures it out? I think he has to figure it out to the point where from this point forward, he gets what, like a four flat ERA to make him worth holding on to a sub four ERA. Mm-hmm. Like what would, what would you be, what would you need to know he was going to get the rest of the way to keep him? <sighs> a four? Yeah. Something like, like that. Like you're not keeping him at four and a half ERA. Right. right. I mean, he, he's just, he's just another guy I mean, mm-hmm. with a horrible lefty righty split. I mean, righties are smashing him. Both uh, Drury and Kyle Farmer yesterday got him. Now, Drury and Farmer smash lefties, um, and that's worth noteworthy. Uh, I think Drury is one of the top five hitters against lefties this year. Uh, Brandon Drury should be traded at the deadline, too, by the way. Um, even oh, though I, I... 100% he should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm buying that this is real. And nonetheless, you sh- they still should be selling him because he's... You know, he's, he's a free agent at the end of the year, first of all. You, you know, you he's going to cost a lot more if you ever decide to try to roster, you know, try to re-sign him. And he's going to want to sign with someone else anyhow. I, I would say Brandon Drury, with his career earnings, will probably just sign with the highest bidder. So if the Reds wanted to be the highest bidder, they could sign him after the season. But the thing is, they don't need to – he's going to go to free agency. Like, they don't need yep. to keep him for the rest of the year. If they want to have him next year, sure, trade him now. The team mm-hmm. that takes him is probably going to use him as a utility man, like the best thing about him, right. Is he's played so many positions. 
Um, they'll probably use him as a utility man the rest of the way. That team probably won't sign him before he gets to free agency. He'll be on the market. The Reds can resign him. He like to me, it's an absolute no brainer that the Reds trade him, even if they're disappointed with the return. You still take what you can get from him. Yep, hundred yeah. percent agree. Yeah, hundred percent. And he's not like a lifer Red where. You're like, okay, we, we're going to keep him right to the end and see if we can re-sign him. We don't want to see him in another jersey. Like, none of that matters with Brandon Drury. He's He's got to be gone. And he's someone I've been writing up a little bit lately as far as for fantasy managers. This was kind of earlier in July when we weren't as close to the deadline to think about moving him. I don't know if you get a lot for him on the trade market, but because I worry that when he goes to a contending team, he might not play enough to help people in like 10 or 12 team leagues. Yeah, yeah, that's right. By the way, um, any interest in trading for Trevor Rogers and friends and family? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Scott I, I think if, honestly, me, if you dropped yeah. him, I wouldn't pick him up. Jen's dad told me on Sunday that he would probably do it. Um, okay. He would try because I need a hit. I'm just down on it. I just can't get enough hitting it, uh, games. I'm like way behind on yep. hitting. I just don't have enough hitting or roster spots, but I don't want to straight up drop him. After yesterday, he goes, that window's closed. Too late. You know, okay. so shame on me. I didn't, I didn't yeah, act waited. on it right away, but uh, so it goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be pretty rough, I think. Yeah. I, I, like I said, like I, so I'm just, I just took a quick look at my team to pick him up. I probably have to drop Scott Efros, who I'm trying to hold through the deadline in case he becomes the club's closer. Got a save last night. Right. Um, when Robertson had the night off, maybe a good sign that he could be Robertson's replacement. If when they trade him, I, I could, drop Mitch White maybe for him. I'm not dropping any of those guys. I right. I kind of stream Mitch White's spot anyway. So no, I would if you drop Trevor Rogers, I would not pick him up. And I wouldn't I, pick him up to stream because there's no real reason to think his next start will be a really good one. I picked up Ian Anderson to stream at one point a couple of weeks ago and dropped him right back after that. Didn't kill me on that one, but well, yeah. I uh, picked him up to stream Sunday. How about that? In that league. Sorry. Sorry. I know. I saw that. I saw the Angels, and the Angels have been such a free fall offensively. Yeah. Trout on the IL. And I was like, oh my gosh, even Ian Anderson can probably go five innings, two or three runs, and have a good chance to win against these this offense. And nope, he could not. That dream lasted in an inning, not even. Yes. Actually, it's one of those, for anyone who plays in those Yahoo leagues, um, you'll know what I'm talking about, where I was so annoyed by it. It was my first day back home after the vacation, too. Oh, and I no. Was so, I was so annoyed by it that I wanted to drop him, like, like basically, like, as soon as the game was over. But right. it doesn't let you do that. It makes you hold him till the next day because he's locked in your lineup for that day. Right, so right. So I, I had to wait till the next day. Then I dropped him. But just, like, even put a note in my phone, drop Ian Anderson Monday morning. Like I was like, like I, I wanted him off my roster. I wanted him away from the other guys <laughs> out of the clubhouse as fast as possible. I was like, punitive drop. drop. You don't even have to pick anybody up. Just drop. No, him. I wasn't even going to. I was actually yeah. just pressed on his name and was going to hit the drop and just get rid of him. So Monday morning, first thing I did is I grabbed my phone and I dropped Ian Anderson. And then later, a few minutes later, I went in it when I had a minute and and found someone to pick up. But I just nice. wanted him out of the clubhouse. Nice. Yeah, just yeah. the stench that yeah. permeates the locker room. What if there. he rubs off on these other guys who I need to start for me this right. week? Right. Like Tarek Skubal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got yeah. to learn how to win. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, who else do we want to talk about? Oh, okay. Tony Gonsolin. You know, Scott joked about it. Uh, or, you know, can, can regression begin at the All-Star game? Uh, because he got hit around a little bit in the all-star game. He loses for the first time in the regular season to the Nats, who had the worst record in baseball. Little and yeah, which is 
blew my mind that they were actually worse than the Reds and the A's at this point. But here we are. Uh, yeah, we knew some regression was coming. It's already arrived. It, it had to have. I mean, it was just impossibly, you know, the ratios were impossibly good given the lack of like everything else, including strikeouts. That's right. So, I mean, we saw this coming. I don't think this is the start of a big regression train. I did note when we were getting ready for today that I, at least going into the start, his BABIP was, I, I'm pretty sure, the lowest among qualified pitchers. It's now at 202. That might still be the lowest. If it's not the lowest, it's like the second lowest or something like that. Um, so he's been lucky. Um, obviously, the 11-1 record's a little lucky too. Yeah. Um, that being said, his FIPS 362, I'll take the under on 362 yeah, the rest of the way. In I would fact, too. And if you gave, if you gave me three, four, I would still take the under three, four. I would still take the under on that. Um, it is not unusual for Dodgers pitchers to outperform their FIP. In fact, um, Julio Arias is doing the exact same thing this year to an even mm-hmm. greater degree. His FIP is a, more than a run um, from his ERA. And he has not a Gonsal and Babbitt, but a pretty low one. So it's not like, Gonsolin's the only Dodgers pitcher doing this. They do benefit from playing on such a good team. They have quality relievers who come in after them to clean up, maybe help them get out of an inning, which is huge. Um, and maybe something that's not discussed enough. We've seen Walker Bueller outperform his FIP in several seasons as a member of the Dodgers. So I'm not, yep. I'm not, I don't think the massive regression is coming from Gonsolin. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'll set his ERA for the rest of the season at 3.2. Where are you going, over or under? Slightly over and still okay with it. Yeah. He gives me a 3-3-5 the rest of the way. I'm pretty happy. I mean, I, I have team regression in the main event, though. I have Gonsolin. I have, like, Miles Michaelis. I have Wainwright. I mean, I just need, you know, Clay Holmes, you know, is was impossibly good in the first half, but until the Red Series, uh, he's still going to be good, I think. I think. You know, Aroldis Chapman had the decency to give up a three-run bomb over the weekend, so there's no no threat of him taking over the closer job anytime soon. But what I think is going to happen for sure is that the Yankees are going to trade for a relief pitcher. And depending on the quality and name of that relief pitcher, we'll see what happens with the roles. But Michael King being out for the season, no no Chad Green. We don't know what they're going to get from Zach Britton. Chapman's unreliable. You can't overwork Holmes. You need others, too. And it's just a question of – if it's a big, if it's a closer type, then Holmes might be a high leverage reliever again. Yep, it's possible. Hey, how fun would it be if the Yankees traded for David Robertson? I know we've already mentioned him once here, but someone who spent his first, what, seven or so years of his career on the Yankees and was their closer his last season with them, got 39 saves. Um, that would be really cool if they traded for David Robertson and made him part of the, maybe part of the closer picture Ugh. with Holmes. So that would be a nightmare personally for me because in one main event, I have Robertson and the other, I have Holmes and it would kind of corrupt both of them. So uh, it, would I, help, it might, well, it would help you keep Robert, but if they made Robertson the closer, it would help you keep Robertson. Although they might just leave Holmes, but I, I, I think they'll Robert, probably leave Holmes, but you know, joining that bullpen would just be, be really fun. Yeah. I definitely see them adding one, if not two relievers though. Yes. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. They've got to be in full go for it mode. Yeah. Like, like the Yankees, come on, they're the Yankees. They haven't had a ton of success in recent years, like by their standards, haven't had a ton of success in recent years. For um, sure. And this is their best shot in a long time. And you never know where things are going to go from here. Like Judge is a free agent. I think he'll be back, but he's a free agent. They've got some guys like Stanton who are probably, you know, in decline. Some other mm-hmm. veterans on that team like Rizzo and LeMahieu. They got to go for it. 
Yeah, they do. I think they add relievers. I think they they'll add a fair amount. I, I would be shocked if they played it conservative and watch teams around them add more than they do. I feel like they'll add more than pretty much any other AL team. Yeah. Let's get your take on Juan Soto. I've been talking about this a lot. I think he, I'm, I've changed my tune. I think he does get traded before next Tuesday's deadline. I know teams are kind of putting lining up to put in their big, their big offers. I think that's what uh, the Cardinals who just submitted an offer uh, have phrased it as such. So we'll see. Um, I don't think, the Yankees are going to get them, but they'll be in, they'll be involved. But I think that they're, they're so slugging oriented already that there's less of an acute need for them, for, for them to go get them than say others. I, I agree with that. Um, I'm going to predict that he goes, he gets traded in the winter, that he makes it through the rest of the season really? in the winter. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you could be right. Um, I just feel like often these guys, sometimes they wait until the winter and, Maybe it opens it up more to everybody in baseball because maybe some teams are kind of. I actually he doesn't have such a huge salary. I guess maybe, so maybe that's not as much in play for him, right? As it would have been for some of the other like superstars we've seen traded the last years. I'm just gonna go with he doesn't get traded in the wait till the winter. But mm-hmm. I think it's pretty close to fifty fifty. He's obviously this is the worst season OPS wise of his career. But if you have Juan Soto on a fantasy team, you desperately want him to get traded, right? Absolutely. Like, just Absolutely. To forget the fact that he'd be in a way better lineup on any team that trades for him. Uh, I just think the spark would be huge. You take yeah. him and put him on the card in the cart on the Cardinals, a team trying to win the World Series this year. Like, I think that just sparks him. I mean, he there's got to be a human element there where this is the worst team he's ever played on. He's a professional. He's still got a four oh four on base, but but again, by his standards, a four on four on base is disappointing. Yeah, and he's been better lately. In the last month, yeah. he's really picked it up. Uh, yeah. So he's in better form. Obviously, won the home run derby. Not that that matters anything, but uh, yeah. Although you know, maybe the Yankees do need him a little bit more. Giancarlo Stanton on the IL now. Um, yeah, that happened today. So that that's actually a pretty big loss in the middle of that lineup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Stanton's been one of the. I was writing him up recently. He's been one of the unluckiest hitters in a Babbitt sense, but one of the luckiest hitters in a home run to fly ball rate sense in the last couple of months. So I don't right. know if that makes him lucky or unlucky. I think overall he's been a little unlucky because he should have a high home home run to fly ball rate. So, but, but he should be hitting better than 228. His, his Babbitt this year is 240. And like every year previous to this, it's, you know, been in the 300s. So, I mean, there can be some bad at ball changes, but he probably should be doing better than that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that changes too much for them. Like, unless this lingers, he's probably back at some point. And right. You know, back. But but he's not he's not what he totally what he used to be. Like, he still hits plenty of home runs. We've we've seen probably the best of Stanton now. He's a little bit injury prone. They give him days off. It's smart to give him days off. He's on the right now. He's cl- like way on the wrong, not way on the wrong side of 30, but he's, he's 32, going to be 33 in a few, like before the end of this year. Um, yeah, the Yankees could trade for Juan Soto. I don't see them doing that. I don't see them as the team right. that does it. I haven't totally. Uh, the Cardinals do make some sense to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see the Dodgers sweeping in and doing it. Although I guess they've done it before with the, the Scherzer Turner trade. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah, James Anderson on XM today uh, made a point that you know they, the team, the trading, the, the acquiring team gets them for two and a half years. Yeah, could be a team like. Cleveland or Tampa Bay, they don't have to sign them to the long-term deal for this to work. And they have the prospects to make it work too. 
Yeah, I think you've got to really feel though, like if you're not going to, if your plan is to not sign them or to be, or probably not sign them, you got to really think your chances of winning. Right. I mean, I mean, you're going to then, then what's going to happen is two years from now, you're going to trade them away and recoup some of what probably and recoup some probably. of what lost yep. for him. Yep. I have been thinking about my Blue Jays getting them. They're not the worst fit for him. Like if you put him in that lineup between Springer and Guerrero as a left-handed bat, like that would be pretty amazing so there's not a lineup he doesn't improve obviously for sure for sure i i I like the fun part of soto is i like thinking about lineups that are already awesome and just how ridiculous they would look so if you look at the top of the right the batting you know there's the the yankees the dodgers the blue jays and the braves i think have the four best offenses so far this year so i like picturing them in some of those lineups put them in the braves lineup who who need an outfielder right now Bring Ozzy Albies back in a couple of weeks and add him into that lineup. Oh, yeah, pretty amazing. So, That'd be pre- yeah, it's and the thing is, like the Braves and the Mets are less likely because they're divisional foes. Although I, I kind of, I should Washington. I, they should, Washington shouldn't even care, right? No, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, but I know some teams care. Yeah, um, but they maybe try to exact a premium from those teams. Again, mm-hmm. both teams have prospects to to deal. And in the case of the Mets, they don't care about the money. So that, that would be awesome. Just looking at the Jays lineup, you put him, I guess, is Gurriel sit? Or Vlad, I guess, well, Vlad goes to first base. He's DHing today. So that yeah. that, that creates someone opening there, either DH or, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and especially because they're so right-handed. He you get a amazing. lefty. Oh, gosh. Spring, going Springer, Soto, Guerrero. The, Kirk and Bichette, like that's hey, and then, Oscar and then, is Teo, six. then Teoscar, then, then Chapman Gurriel, seven, Guriel eight, yeah. yeah, and either a Spinal or Biggio nine, yeah, that's that's a good one, unbelievable, lineup. yeah. So we can dream but, on that, but probably again, won't happen. The Blue Jays but, would yeah. have to completely empty their prospect cupboard to do that, and I don't even know if they it, like. I wondered if the Nats would want someone like Bichette. I, that's the question: is I don't know if the Nats want like one guy who's already a good player, like Bichette in a Soto trade or if they just want like five prospects. I, I, that I, I fully formed young players that are cheap are also very good. Yeah. I'm sure they would happily their take window. The just the Nats window just seems so far away that I feel like they should just want like five double AA, a triple a slash rookie type players. Yes, but no, because in the case of, I mean, Bichette, sure. You're going for like four years, yeah. still, three or four years and you know, he can play. I mean, I think that's the yeah. other thing. I mean, a double A guy, you don't know for sure if he can play. Ask Jared, Jared Kelnick or Spencer Tor- Torkelson about that. You know, it doesn't always translate, or or at the at the time frame that you're looking for either. I, I wouldn't give up on either of those two guys for their careers, but they definitely they've definitely taken a turn. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be wild. So uh, see if those guys bounce. But yeah, absolutely, you would you would love to have Bichette, but you know. That that's the thing. I actually wonder if the Jays are how they are in prospects. Actually, uh, since they may, they traded away a bunch last year, Me, medium. They're kind of I like I'm pretty familiar with that. Like the, I'd say they're like like mid level in baseball. Okay. So that's what I mean. So to get Soto, a, mid, a team in the mid level prospect pool, like I think you would have to clean it out. Like you'd have yep. to give them like your four best prospects, and all of a sudden your prospect pool is now like 27th or 30th or something. Sure, but the Jays you got one Soto. Yeah, I mean, yes. yeah, that's <laughs> yes, and, and the option to try to sign him 
again, the Jays are going to have huge contracts coming up in a couple of years, like with Vlad, with Bichette, Soto. Soto's probably the best of those players. Like they, maybe they decide to let Bichette walk when his time's up and they try to keep Soto and Vlad. It was always talk in Toronto. They try to keep Bichette and Vlad, mm-hmm. maybe try to keep Soto and Vlad. That would be quite the pair to try to carry the team through like the next, like all the way to 2030 and beyond. That's that's the core of my XFL team, by the way, is Soto Vlad and an OBP league and plus three contracts there. Yeah, those I, I can't even conjure up a trade that I could think of that would be worth it, given like the slow escalation of the contracts and all that, how I could possibly get better present value for one of those guys. Uh, I, I had one league mate reach out and say, I, I, I could try to give you the league this year. But I don't think I could, you know, you couldn't improve what you have over them. Mm-hmm. And we do have an in-season salary cap. So I, I just don't think I, it's possible to get a, a package that would make it worth it there. So, anywho, uh, just thought that was uh, one other side note on that. Uh, before we move on to other topics, uh, it's a good point to insert our uh, ads from the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our podcasts are hosts on the Blue Wire Network, and so we put it, create a little ad space for them there. Thank you for your indulgence on that. A uh, couple other guys I want to talk about here. Two guys that you listed that are on uh, my respective main event teams, on opposite teams. One, Nico Horner, who was uh, Nico Suave last week, had a, had a game with a homer and a stolen base and a bunch of hits. Uh, the other one, Josh Rojas, who had three stolen bases uh, last night. Both kind of under the radar good players. Yeah, I, I have Horner on probably all probably all or almost all my draft champions teams. He's someone I was kind of high on late in drafts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's been, I'd say, I don't know if he's been way better than I, I thought. He's just, he's been what I was hoping he would be. His, his OPS right. is 774. Last year it was 751. I expect him to be a little better. The steals are nice, the 10 steals. I think my biggest problem with Horner is I haven't played him enough. I probably, there's probably too many weeks where I look at him and someone else and I don't play him because I've kind of got him stuck in my head as not that good. Um, I don't know. I think, I think maybe we need to, he's not amazing, but I think we need to give him a little more credit. Like if he could finish this year with 10 homers and say 16 steals and he hits 300, that's, that's pretty good. And, and I, yeah, I, I said to you, which one would you rather have him or Rojas? I think I would still rather have Rojas, but I like them both. Yeah. Pretty close for me. Yeah, I would too. I think there's more categorical juice perhaps. Uh, more, more power, more, more stolen bases. Uh, but it's close. I mean, Horner's gro- grown into his power this year, which pre- previously he hadn't really done. But he also he's he has had so many injuries that his career has kind of gone in fits and starts. Yeah. Especially when you consider the Cubs kind of promoted him very quickly to the majors, and I think that might have something to do with uh, some of his, you know, you know, slow development too, because he probably was promoted before he was ready. Yeah, I think that's quite possible. I mean, he did hit he the first year he was in the minor or majors of 2019. He barely played, but he did hit 282, so he held his own. He doesn't strike out a lot, which is great. I think he I just felt like when I drafted him that he profiles as someone who should be able to hit for a high average, you know, for really for many many seasons. And with the low strikeout rate and he's got plus speed, so yeah, I think he's a little more valuable. Maybe I think I've heard more people starting to talk about him lately. So I think people are starting to come around to him. One thing that's limiting his value is that the Cubs so far basically refused to hit him in the top half of that lineup, even though it's not a very good lineup. Um, he is almost no at bats above the five spot. And he has plenty of at bats much, much lower than that. Whereas Rojas has hit most of his at bats have come hitting first or second in the lineup. So I think, that's probably another area where I would give Rojas the edge. I think it would make sense though. Horner's not a high walk guy, but I think it's probably good enough that I think in that, in the crummy Cubs lineup, it would make sense to put him in the top half more often down the stretch. Just, just get him extra plate appearances and help him keep developing. Yep. Agreed. Uh, you, you have some either ors for me, uh, Nick Prado or Vinny Pasquantino Prado. I mean, Pasquantino hasn't done much right now, but I'm still going with him. Yeah, I, I put it there. Just obviously the correlation. They're on the same team. Pasquantino came up with way more fantasy hype, um, but he's kind of he's fallen flat on his face so far. And Prado, in a really really small sample size, has actually done really well. So it's kind of do you want the guy that everybody was talking about a few weeks ago, or do you want maybe the guy who's who's had some results so far? So I don't know. I. I might go with Prado. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I, I think I might go with Prado and just take the hot hand. I think they might be at a level where I'd rather just take the hot hand and see where things go from here. 
All right. I, I won't offer you a bet on this one, but I'm, I'm definitely on Pasquotino's side. Yeah. Because of the I mean, long term's different. It's more me thinking like, because they're both so low end, it's more me thinking, say, who's going to have the more fantasy production in August. That's kind of all at sure. that level of player, all I care about right now. That's true. I can buy that. Uh, Bryson Stott, is he ready to stick in lineups? Uh, Phillies, I mean, they're they're going to get Gene Segura back soon. So that's a pretty yeah. relevant question. What happens to Stott once Segura comes back? That's right. And maybe that means that he's not ready to stick in lineups. He's been hitting better lately. He was supposed to be part of the plan for them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not there yet with him, but there are some encouraging signs. He's got three homers in about a week. Well, not about a week, but about a week's worth of games because it goes back part of the All-Star break. He's got three homers in his last two, four, six, eight games. Three homers in his last eight games. Um, I, I'm not totally there yet, but that five RBI performance last night, I mean, I think it gets him back on people's radars and we'll see where he goes from here. But yeah, you're right. Seguri coming back, which is, well, by the way, was my biggest fab miss on Sunday. I really wanted him in a league. Yeah. I put in a healthy bid around 50 bucks. I thought that would be good enough to get him. It wasn't. Someone bid a little over 100. I, I don't think that's crazy, but I just wasn't willing to go there. How much fab do you have left? I had, I think, 330. Oh, left. you have a lot. I did. I do. I do because I lost out on everyone. So, oh, no. <laughs> um, but I thought 50 was enough to get. And if 50 was, you know how I always say that my goal is to be the runner up bit? Well, yeah. I perfected that on Sunday night. That Sunday night was a rough one for me. This, this Total was, victory this, for you then. This is in a super, my super league with Jeff Zimmerman. And we were the runner up bid on him. We were the running up bid on Jose Quintana, who I was interested in just getting to see. Like we were both interested in getting him to see just where he ends up after the trade deadline. Yep. So I think we put in about 25 bucks on him. That was the, run, the runner up bid. Keegan Thompson, which was supposed to be a two start week, which I think now won't be a two start week, but then he pitched really well against the Pirates today. Yep. We were the runner up bid on him. We were the runner up bid on Chaz McCormick, who homered last night. Um, yeah. A lot At least they didn't come back to immediately repudiate you and all that. So Segura was the one that bothered me the most, though. He was just yeah. been for our team. He would have been a really good fit. And like I said, I think around fifty bucks was a good amount to spend on someone who's not a star and is still is still on the IL. Um, but I didn't get him. So whatever. I've got a lot of we Jeff and I have a lot of money now heading into the deadline. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, if you were in an only league, that deadline would be pretty more important. I mean, you still get – there are still opportunities created, especially like you mentioned, yep. Efros versus uh, Robertson. Uh, we saw Efros get the save yesterday. That might be a harbinger of things to come uh, if Robertson gets dealt. So, uh, yeah, could work out pretty well for you. Yeah, I'm hoping that – and this deadline's a tricky one because it's over two weeks, really. Like, there are going to be some trades before Sunday night. So there, there might be some interesting values – by this Sunday night, right? Mm-hmm. Where maybe David Robertson, we, now we actually picked up Efros in that league on Sunday. Um, so we're covered there. Hopefully that happens for us and hopefully Efros is the guy. But anyways, you could see some guys traded this week by Sunday night and then we could see a bit, same with you, especially in your AL Tout Wars. Like you could see a bit of a fab of Palooza this Sunday and yep. then another one the following Sunday. Yeah. I'm so, kind of low key disappointed that we don't have the. September 1st, non-waiver trades, uh, you know, the, or, or waiver trades, I, I should say. The, uh, you know, the, what was it? The the Red Sox and the Dodgers, that huge one they had a few mm-hmm. years ago. Verlander, that was yeah. another one. Well, we're, we're ju- after August 2nd, we're just done. There, There is no more yeah. uh, sneaky trades. Uh, I always like the sneaky trades. 
it certainly keeps you hopping in those only leagues, right? Yep. So if if there are trades this weekend, you'll have some tough all the managers in those AL and NL only leagues will have some tough decisions on am I spending all my fab or do I think there'll be a lot more to come on Monday and Tuesday? Right. Know, especially if like a mid-level guy like an Andrew Benintendi switches leagues or something like that, you know, are you spending or are you waiting and seeing what else comes about by the next weekend? And then if you're not spending, are you running the risk that someone else will get him unreasonably cheap because everybody's thinking I'm waiting and someone sneaks through and gets him for it and only for 200 bucks. And you're like, Oh, that's not fair. That's not near enough. So there'll, there'll be some interesting decisions. And uh, the only is back when we still had the August trades. That was the other one too, is were you going to empty your bank at the beginning of August at the real trade deadline? Or are we going to hold some back and see yep. if some even lesser name guys move back and forth because anyone you know, it's helpful in those leagues. It'll, it'll be really interesting. I think the trade deadline being on a Tuesday, it, it's going to be tricky. Even if it had been on Monday, you'd see more trades this weekend. It being on Tuesday really opens it up. I think for most of the deals to happen Monday and Tuesday, but wouldn't be surprised if the odd GM gets in ahead of it this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I've always advocated the earlier you can make the trade, the better it is, you know, especially in fantasy, it's true, but in real life, I mean, we brought this point up, uh, the Brewers did it twice last year with Willie Adamas and then more famously with CC Sabathia before where they got like four starts, five starts before the trade deadline. That's huge. Getting jump on the uh, competition, doing it that way. Um, I was looking at tout wars while we were talking about this. Cause you know, Hey, that that's one where it'd be really relevant. Uh, unfortunately, I thought I was doing pretty well with six twelve still left in an AL only, but I see three teams over $800 still in fab which I'm like, I'm not even close to being the leader. I mean, th- these guys can spend a bunch and still out have me outspent by 200 bucks. I, I, my, I guess I'm hoping there's four guys that get uh, traded over and then I can get one maybe, but uh, I think you know, you will. I think that'll happen. Yeah. The, the good thing you have going for you, if there's three guys around 800 is they're going to have to spend the full amount on the guy they really want to block the others. Yep, 944, 939, and 856. Right, so those guys are going to have to all spend, the first two guys are going to spend 857 to make sure Mm -hmm. they get the top two players, right? So, for example. So that's good. If you had someone at like, and and for people listening who don't understand this, in Tewi, you can go over 1,000 with reclaims. If you had someone sitting at 1,100 and the next person's at like 700, that opens it up for the 1,100 person to get two really good players right they it get does. someone for 700 and then they get someone else for 400 um i think you'll get something good at 600 sitting fourth i think you'll get either fourth best player or you'll get maybe even a guy who to you is the third best player because there might be some you know maybe i just hope third and fourth best player are worth it uh the guys think, that are playing on a regular basis you know mm-hmm. sometimes you just spot, get nothing right and you're in that spot that could be tough right like yeah like uh you know, if someone mid-level comes over to the AL on Saturday or Sunday this weekend, are you take you know are you taking them or are you waiting? And well, that's the, that's the great part of the intrigue. There is you know spend now or wait till wait till the I think in your one. spot you almost have to go for them, and then make one of those three guys ahead of you outbid you for them, which then moves you up to third. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Considering I just lost Devers last week in that league, I had five sets of bids last week. I got four players, uh, but it, it was kind of a rough week for me uh, to try to, f- to figure out how to unpack it. You know, part of it's shame on me. Like Edward Oliveras getting hurt. Okay, well, you know, shocking, shocking that 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 yeah. happened. But 
Yeah. I had to replace two pitchers. Yeah, it was just all around kind of ugly. Yeah, and those teams can get ugly in a hurry. You get some injuries, like those teams can get ugly in a hurry. So, but maybe the trade deadline, and maybe you'll decide to spread spread your six hundred out and get maybe not the fourth best player, but a couple players. I'll be yeah. interested to see how it all plays out. I will. I will too. Yeah, uh, it's my favorite. Not my favorite fantasy time of the year because that's draft season. It's probably my, yeah. my. I guess for sure my second favorite fantasy time of the year. Yep, and then stretch run is awesome, but agony yeah. too. Opening yeah. day might be my my second favorite. Stuff, okay, but, uh, just because it's all this fresh powder, we've all we're all just excited to see how our, our drafted teams are going to do and all that. All the uh, confirmation yeah. bias across fantasy baseball. Oh my gosh, yeah. I told you that guy was going to be great when he hits his first home run and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Although I'll tell you what's it's it's way worse in football than it is in baseball. You know, if someone scores a touchdown in the first quarter of the first game of the season, oh, my gosh. Ugh. Insufferable Twitter feed. That being uh, said, football is small sample sizes. That's it is, but not that is. small. So, you know, if your football – if you if you nail a sleeper in fantasy football and he gets two touchdowns in week one, mm-hmm. probably, he's, he's, he's well on his way to a respectable season. Like here, whereas if a guy hit two homers in week one in fan, or in game one of fantasy baseball season, you – like he could still be obviously a massive bust. So right. yeah, the, the football, I, I can see why the football confirmation doing fantasy football projections, which I do um, just the sample sizes are so incredibly small compared right. to the baseball data that we can look through over the years. So, oh, for just, sure. and the career, it's not just in one season, the football data is small, but also beyond that, the careers are so short and they change so quickly. You'll be like, Oh, this guy's done it for four years. Yeah. He's actually almost done. Yeah. Chris, Chris Carson today. There's a great example, not to get yeah. us too far off topic, but Todd five, Gurley, five good seasons. He's retired. Yeah. Todd Gurley was top yeah. of the pops. Yeah. Like four years ago, I think he might've been a, the, the 1.1 pick. It might be five now. I got to double check on my numbers, but still he's out of football. He's not, yeah. you know, he, he's been out, you know, he didn't play at all last year. It's just crazy. He's, 20, he's 27. If he was a baseball, you're right. He didn't play last year. He's 27. And, and he just, oh, no, he's almost 28. He's 20, almost 28. And if he was a baseball player, he'd be, like, just prime years. Prime yeah. And, it, yeah. So that's the – fantasy football is small sample sizes. Fantasy baseball is, is large sample sizes. Yeah. As much as, right. can, as we try to – like, as much as we can make it. Sometimes you can't – Nick Prado, right? We can't always have large sample sizes. But yeah. sometimes – as much as we can, we do. And this is – and, you know, why we pay attention to sample sizes, you listed two counter examples – Stephen Kwan, who we spent considerable bandwidth on in April, and then lot not so much when we cut him in May, and now all of a sudden he's hitting again. Uh, since June one, he's hitting three twenty two with four stolen bases. He's not going to hit for much power. Had one, but he's better than the guy we we're doing victory laps on lately, and that's Taylor Ward. Yeah, and and I cut I picked them both up. I, at first, I thought I was smart for both in labor. Yeah. Then I cut Quan in May because I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't smart. This guy's got no power, no speed. He's not hitting for average. But Taylor Ward, oh, I was really smart. And then yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I started noticing. I was like, man, I never really smile when I look at Taylor Ward's box scores anymore. No. What's going on there? So I started doing a little bit of a dive into that. And I was like, oh, I know why. He hasn't done anything lately. Yeah. Uh, Quan's hitting leadoff most days uh, for the Guardians right now. And uh, because he's just he's like a singles machine. That's, that's what he is. He's Jeff McNeil. We kind of said at the beginning of the year that he was Jeff McNeil. He's very much like Jeff McNeil. A little faster version of him. Maybe yeah. a little faster. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, even a little less pop. 
um, which is hard to have less pop than Jeff McNeil. But um, yeah, he's Jeff McNeil. Yeah, there you go. But that means, but that means rosterable in most leagues, especially if he's out hitting out of a premium lineup spot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Red Sox, they, you know, terrible, terrible, terrible weekend for them against your Jays. I'm sure you just had your heart goes out to them. I'm sure. But uh, it, I mean, that was thoroughly enjoyable watching Friday there. I mean, it, it, I'm not even a Jays, huge Jays partisan, but I don't know. Weird games like that where the, this, the yeah. scores are just insane. I can't get enough of them. I love watching like the 28 to five game for some reason. It's just like, Oh my gosh, this is still happening. You know, they had, they had 14 runs and then they had 11 run inning. I mean, that's just crazy. And baseball is the one sport where it is standard in the unwritten rules. If you are crushing a team, as long as you don't get too cocky about it to just keep crushing them. There's yeah. no time. There's no time limit. There is a tactical advantage to wearing out the other team's pitching staff, especially yeah. on the Friday of a three-game set of a divisional foe. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're up, when you've got 11 runs and 14 runs and 15 runs, like it is considered socially acceptable in baseball as a tactic to just keep trying to score as many runs as possible. Again, as long as you're not too cocky about it. And we don't like football teams when they're killing teams, they just run the running backs and fullbacks up the middle and run the clock out for the most part, you know, hockey teams don't run up the score. They, you know, basketball teams, maybe a little bit, but baseball is the one where you're, when the Jays were way up, you were like, Hey, let's see where this goes from here because they won't stop trying to hit. And, and yeah. So, and it was really cool. And like you said, it started off what was a, a really dominant weekend. I think, I think people are overreacting and burying the Red Sox after that weekend. Like they didn't have JD Martinez. They didn't have Trevor story. Yeah, I and then they, they lost Devers, back. though. I yeah, mean, they, they it's just an awful weekend. It was. And it was preceded by an awful week before the All-Star break, too. Yep, you know, sale. Yep. Facing the AL East has not been very, very good to them at all. It's been very bad. That's the thing. Yeah, and, and I mentioned in our notes, I've been, I've been because I have him in a couple spots, I've been monitoring Tanner Houck, and mm-hmm. he has that weekend, or weekend, it was a weekday series in Toronto, where he couldn't come because he wouldn't get vaccinated. And there was a game in that series that the Red Sox, I guess you can't say for sure they lost it because he wasn't available, but pretty much. Like, we got to the late innings. The Red Sox did not have a great pitcher to put out there. The Jays came back and won. It was yep. just, like, you were like, if they had Hauk, he pro- I mean, maybe the Jays would have scored on Hauk too, but he yeah. had been pitching really well. So since that time, he has no saves. Since that series, which was the, near the end of June, he has no saves. Are like his management annoyed? Have they used him differently? Have they just not had a lot of save chances? I think it's the latter. I mean, I think it's similar to like Melanson going like a month between saves just because yeah. there were no saves to be had. Uh, kind of the opposite of Melanson's season last year where saves just seemed to fall in his lap constantly, uh, where every Padres win was a save chance. Uh, and, you know, it's, that's exaggerating, but only by half. Yeah, is it a karma thing? You could always play that card too. Uh, I don't believe in that. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. So I've looked at how he's been used, and he has been used in some situations where you would use your closer, like ninth inning of a tie game mm-hmm. type thing. So he has been used in some of those situations. Right. Um, they did use him for two innings a couple times. That maybe that's that they'll continue doing that with him. Um, but yeah, there was a game recently where he came in and pitched the seventh and the eighth. 
and Ryan Brazier pitched the ninth. So, oh wait, no, I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. He, I'm wrong. He pitched the eighth and the ninth. He gave up the lead in that game. So, oh, okay. anyways, he has no saves since then. I'm still holding him. I still think he could be their closer down the stretch. I, think I still he think is. there's a world yeah. where the Red Sox get their act together. I think JD Martinez is back today. Story should be back really soon. I think there's a world where they keep Bogarts and they get their act together to the point where they stay in the race the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, they're trading Bogarts? No. Me neither. I'd, I'd be really surprised. Yeah. I think they don't unless they get like this blown away offer. And I don't think they'll get that. So yeah. I think they keep them and then at least negotiate with them and see where it goes. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then we'll see if the Cubs trade David Robertson, if there's any other, Closer madness there. Uh, there'll so be many. some closer that's going to get traded. Oh, David Bednar, Daniel Bard, Scott Barlow. Like, there's so many. It's such a nail-biting year, like, it, time of year, I should say, in fantasy. And it happens yeah. every year. Like, like if you have a few fantasy teams, I we just named, like, five or six closers. Like, you have to have one of those guys or two of those guys on some of your teams. Yeah. So, well, I, I have a team. My main event team has Barlow and Clay Holmes. I mean, I could have right. – Two closers, I could you have, have none. Yeah. none. Uh, you know, I could have Barlow closing for a better team. I mean, it's these yep. are all possibilities. Or he could just be doing his thing in Kansas City. Scott Barlow has been awesome this year. He has four wins to go with like 16 saves, great ratios and Ks. He's thrown more innings than your average relief pitcher. He, he's been totally worth it. So he's probably going to get probably going to get traded away and be a, a set a glorified setup man, but. You never know. Sometimes you can get traded into a better spot too. So I can maybe knock on wood and hope that that happens there. But uh, if he we'll got see. traded into a setup role, we should keep him. Let's say the Yankees traded for him and just said immediately. With the Yankees, yes, hundred okay. percent, I would keep him. Okay. So uh, if it's I'm trying to think of a team, Cleveland, really... and he's setting up for Emmanuel Class A. I don't no. know if that'll happen, but then probably not. Right. Um, I mean, Cleveland's actually a sneaky destination for some of these guys because they they have a chance to make the playoffs uh they've got prospects coming out of their ears so they could make a small trade and get a reliever i mean relievers rarely draw the the premium prospect the one exception being like a role as chapman for labor Torres. it happens but most teams front offices now are savvy enough not to trade for a closer just to get an and and, and certainly just to get a closer mm-hmm and give up an elite prospect. Usually it's a lower tier prospect in the same division. The twins could be a place where a reliever gets traded. And oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Like, Absolutely. Like, like obviously like Yohan Duran is probably as good or better than whoever they'll trade for, but maybe the twins don't want to just start jacking up the, the value of this rookie pitcher, the arbitration value <laughs> of this rookie pitcher by giving them save after save after save. So plus he'd be really valuable obviously use versa in a versatile way. So yep. you know, they're another team where they're one of the few, like if you start just going from the best record in the league down to the worst, the twins are like right at the top of the list of like, they have really no closer. Like Pagan's not really. No, that ready. that's an ideal destination. If your trip, your closer gets yes, dealt. That's, that's like, go. yeah, definitely yeah. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add before we sign off here? Um, let's see here. Um, anything else that I want to add? I wanted to mention Aaron Ashby. Couldn't believe how few he pitched great last night. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him. Um, mm-hmm. good, good ground ball rate, 
great strikeout rate, walks a few too many batters, but between the strikeout rate and the ground ball rate, I just really like him. Also, usually betting on Brewers pitchers pays off at least okay, um, if not better than that. He had a really good start last night. I couldn't believe it. Um, Guess his roster rate in Yahoo Leagues. And I was shocked. So if you're way off, you'll be with me. 47%. 27%. I couldn't believe that. I was going to put him in a trade article for tomorrow saying – Go out and get this guy. You know, he's better than better than people think. It could have a nice stretch run. And then I was like, I can't put him in the trade article. So he's going to wait a couple of days and go in the waiver wire article on Friday. Um, I couldn't believe that. I think he deserves a lot more love um, than he's gotten so far. Yeah, the Brewers have showered him with love. They gave him a five-year deal. Yeah. So, you know, clearly they believe in him. Uh, I have him in uh, labor with a, uh, where we're playing against each other mm-hmm. there. My ghost ship of a team. I, it's, uh, it's not the... I'm, I shouldn't say it's ghost ship because I'm not managing. It's just that guys keep dropping by the wayside. I, I used to have like six pitchers on the IL. Instead, now I've got six hitters on the IL uh, and only three pitchers on the uh, DL. So uh, there you go. So nine guys on the IL. And it's just been constant. Like Tyler Stevenson, come on. Like, stop. Stop getting hurt. Now he's out <laughs> for the year, basically. Yep. Uh, that one's a bad one there. Uh, almost as not as bad as Jazz Chisholm. He's on the 60-day IL already. Uh, that that was a bad one, but you know, like I, I rarely, Fred, do I even have roster decisions? It's just a question right. of okay, just putting in the healthy bodies, put in the body, put in the healthy bodies right now. Like I could have put in, I, I left Bobby Witt Jr. active this week, baited that one, and kept VR on my bench. I probably that'll probably I'll probably happen wrong, but we'll see uh, about that. But uh, anyhow, it's just it's tough. Uh, by the way, uh, Drew Jones, the number two pick in the draft, hurt his shoulder in batting practice this week, will be shut down. Um, nothing much to add there, just bad news there. Uh, Mackenzie Gore on the IL. Uh, if you have limited IL spots, he's he's an easy cut, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hadn't been pitching that well this year. I think the jury's still out on him, which goes back to your Bo Bichette comment when you're talking about things the Nats can get for uh Juan Soto right like a couple mm-hmm. years ago you would be like oh my gosh we can get Mackenzie Gore that's amazing I can give another one in the Blue Jays farm system Nate Pearson a couple years ago if oh yeah to get Nate Pearson from the Blue Jays so the Blue Jays were putting together a package for a guy like Soto two years ago three years ago you would have headlined it with Nate Pearson I mean, yeah I think no doubt. Inside. I think he was up into the top easily in the top 10 at MLB pipeline at one point maybe even in the top five and now He's starting to ramp up. We might not see him pitch in the majors at all this year. We're not even sure if he'll ever be a starter in the majors. So that is that is Mackenzie Gore is a, a good add to your point about the Nats maybe getting someone who's has years of control but has already proven they're a good major leaguer. 2019, I want to say it was, the Arizona Fall League, the Fall Stars game. Mm-hmm. It's Nate Pearson versus Forrest Whitley. And oh, there's another one. Yes. Yeah, and we haven't seen either of them really do much in Whitley. We never haven't even seen make the majors yet. Pearson, that first inning, was hitting like 103, 104 regularly on the radar. And we're like, oh, that's got to be a hot gun. Uh, Did I tell you this story before? Because I think I've mentioned it on the podcast like 17 times. But um, (laughs) we're all sitting in the front row, like Spore and Justin Mason and a bunch of other people. And, you know, James Anderson, Clay there. Uh, We're like, oh, that's not that. You know, maybe it was 102 or 103. But I was like, that's got to be a hot gun. Monty Harrison, who is a Marlins prospect at the time, now he's elsewhere. Turns and says to us, he goes, oh, no, that's real. Then he goes <laughs> up and strikes out against him. 
The next half inning, Whitley comes on the mound and he is throwing harder than he usually throws because he's trying to amp up to meet to match right. Pearson. Like they're all they're both like amped up and trying to throw really yeah. hard and all that. It's on TV on MLB Network. You know, it's like a big showcase game for them. All the scouts are there, and I I think. I don't have proof of this, but I think there's a correlation between that and him getting hurt later on. I, okay. I just, I, I just don't think it was something that he's used to doing, and it was not great. So, uh, you know, I hope, hopefully, we see Whitley sometime in the near future. But it's been a long time. Uh, I just want to see him pitch. Period. Let alone in the majors. You just convinced me that the Jays should just offer all of their pitching prospects for Juan Soto. Just oh, hundred percent pitching prospects. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a no brainer. James Anderson was on our show today and you hear him on the prospect prod tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah. I asked him, like, is there any prospect you wouldn't trade in, in a Soto deal? It's not only is there not one there, but if I had two or even three top 10 prospects, I would trade him for Juan Soto because that's right. what you're hoping Juan Soto would be. The Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. have three. And one of those was Drew Jones, who guess what? Just hurt his shoulder. So, yeah, yeah. Point, case in point. But uh, yes, you know. I hear Yankees fans. Oh, we can't have Anthony Volpe in a deal, or the or Cardinals fans saying can't have Jordan Walker in a deal. No, you're, if you're it's Juan so- Soto, you can. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yep. 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 I'll be very interested to see. Next Luis week- Castillo, too. By the way, I, I would trade any prospect. You would trade Luis any Castillo. prospect in baseball for Luis Castillo, eh? I think if you, so. If your team was good enough, especially if, like, like if- I'm the Dodgers. And you're a warm weather team. You're you're constantly yeah. competing. You got you're going for the World Series this year and next year. Yeah, you'd I say to the so. Reds. You'd say to the Reds, pick a prospect. You name one. Give, yeah, pick anyone I, from I think so. I, if if work. the Reds ask for Vargas, I now it's a little different because Soto. It's two and a half years as opposed mm-hmm. to one and a half years, um, and it's a hitter, not a pitcher. I mean, Soto is here, 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 obviously, and Castillo yeah. is here. But yeah, I think I would. I mean, I think flags fly forever. And if, if, if Luis Castillo is, I think he's pretty close to pushing you over the top uh, yep. from, from most of these teams out there. I think he and Monta, I think he's clearly the best pitcher available. And I would love to see him in a ballpark other than Great American Ballpark, even though I, as a Reds yep. fan, I would hate it. But yeah, I think so. Well, next Tuesday is going to be really fun. We're going to have to yeah. carefully plot out the time we'll do that off the air but we'll kept carefully plot out the time for next tuesday because that's gonna be really fun yeah because it, it deadline itself is 6 p.m eastern time that's right so, so maybe there, we'll figure it out but maybe we want to be on like right then or right like after. 5 30 to 6 30 or something yeah, or like six that. To seven, because we know deals will come in right if the deadline 6 p.m eastern the, we will see some deals between 6 and 6 30 yeah, I think, like I, think I, I think you're right about that. I think that would be uh, smart. Maybe we want to be six to seven or something like that. Well, like I said, we'll figure that out off air. But um, the next Tuesday is going to be. I might look forward to next Tuesday's podcast more than I've looked forward to any of them that we've done. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, hopefully, we'll by the time you hear this, we'll have a trade tonight. Uh, unless you were watching live with us, and in which case, we thank you for that. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Got the prospect pod tomorrow. Take care. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. 
Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.